Let's thank the Lord for his blessings. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings to us. We know, hallelujah, that we wait on you. You're going to come through in time. Hallelujah. The name that's above every name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the name of the Lord. You may be seated. Glory. I'm so glad that all of you are in the house of the Lord and appreciate the spirit of the Lord that we have felt and, uh, and the services that we've had. And I started this morning talking about the will of God. And there's, uh, you know, are you a tool in the hands of the Lord and to know the will of God and uh, that the Lord has, if you will, a, a sovereign will. And in other words, it's going to happen regardless of what I individually do. And then there's a moral will or an acceptable will, if you will, that the Lord wants me to follow him and serve him and, and obey him. And he has then a, a specific will, a, a will for my life and a, a perfect will, if you will, that I will follow. And as Brother Gators mentioned tonight, it's that sense of sometimes waiting on the Lord. But the truth of the matter is that um, we can know the will of the Lord. And uh, unfortunately, probably there have been times that all of us have sort of gotten out of cell tower range or uh, we've gotten our signals clouded or, um, you know, clogged up and we're not listening as intently as we should. We kind of do our own thing. I remember several years ago, Brother Keyes told me about how that after he came to church, he always prayed about every um, real estate move that he made except for one, and he said it was the worst mistake I made. I, something like that, wasn't it right, Brother Keyes? Something along those lines that it's easy to sort of do our thing and yet the Lord is very much wants to be involved in every aspect of our life. He wants to be involved in every part of our life and it's not uh, ministry the Bible means and the definition of ministry is to serve, to serve God, to serve his kingdom and to be submitted to him and to follow, to hear his voice and to follow. And so we were talking about the ways we listen to the voice of God and what it is that we, when we say we want to hear the voice of God and how do I know? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And so what is the voice of God? Well, uh, we could spin off into a long sermon about the word of God, I guess, right here, <laughs> because in fact, um, the Lord used the word of God when he fought uh, the devil in temptation. He said, uh, it is written, it is written, it is written, and relied on the word of God. And, and there is so much that could be said about the word of God. And I, I guess what I want you to hear me say is whenever we are trying to find the will of God, know this, that the word of God will never be crossed by any other voice. If there's any other voice, you measure 
measured against the Word of God, the Word of God is always true. And every other voice is a liar. And in fact, Paul even said, if I or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, then I, they're to be accursed. Why? Because the word supersedes all other input into your mind or heart or will. As David said, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. And Paul wrote to Timothy that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction. God will never speak a word that contradicts or violates any principle of the word of God. If somebody has a word for you and it contradicts what the Bible says, the word is wrong. Even if it's me, it doesn't matter who it is. Amen. The word is forever settled in heaven. And then you, you look and sort of the next part of that is the Holy Ghost. As Brother Gator said, the Holy Spirit waiting on the Lord. And I know... When we, as apostolics, plug into receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you feel that supercharge of the presence of Almighty God, it's sometimes confusing as to, well, you know, is, uh, I'm, I'm speaking uh, uh, in, with tongues of men and of angels and yet not have love? He said it's like a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. What are you saying? The Holy Ghost will lead and guide you. Jesus said, the spirit of truth, it's going to guide you into all truth. And, and it's wonderful. But the Holy Ghost will never supersede the word of God. It's not the Holy Ghost if it's, if it's outside of the word. If some you feel an anointing or an unction and it's to tell a lie, it's not the unction from the Holy Ghost. <laughs> it's an unction from too much broccoli or whatever, <laughs> or Brussels sprouts. If you feel an unction that you ought to do something that would be to steal, kill, or destroy, it's not an unction from God. Amen. I don't care how you may look at it. It's, you know, the enemy. In fact, that's why the, Paul would write that though myself or an angel, uh, and the Bible talks about the enemy being able to clothe himself and, uh, and make people think that they are hearing from God. And so uh, the Bible, though, is sacrosanct. It's the truth. And Philippians, he said, they're a peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep you your hearts and minds through Jesus. And what I have told people many times whenever they're trying to find the will of God and they have the Holy Ghost, I'll, I've told them and I believe that in fact there is a peace of God that you will feel. If your spirit is troubled about whatever it is, it's probably, you know, not God's will for you to be doing it. And you, if you don't feel an inner peace, if you don't feel like, well, Lord, you know, and I've had folks, I've asked folks, you know, just pretend it's like a person standing there and say, you know, Lord, do you want to go with me into this place? And if the Lord says, you know, I don't have any business being in there, then probably you don't either if you're a child of God. Huh? That's that sense of, Lord, I, I want to I follow you. I want you to lead and guide and direct. 
And, and then, uh, of course, you know, there's the ministry. I mentioned them this morning. Godly counsel and, and people that we can talk to and uh, uh, people that will give us counsel and wisdom. And, and when the Bible is very clear, where no counsel is, the people fail and fall. And yet, uh, let me just tell you, and I, I, I say this humbly, but you can put something on Facebook and get all kinds of counsel. I make sure it's all godly counsel before you decide what to follow. Because not everybody that gets their opinion is not necessarily a godly counsel. You understand what I'm saying? And that's why the Lord was very clear. I gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. And I, I, I put here, if, if a person's voice does not line up with the word of God, then their counsel is false. And I'll even go as far as to say, if they, you're not under their spiritual authority, be very leery of that as well. And I don't mean that in, a, in an attacking way. I, before I got married, I was dating a young lady that uh, evangelist came by the church she was attending and he didn't, had only been there one night and this young lady I was dating, he said, I've, God got a word for you. And this is what you need to do. And this is what you need to do. And that lady, young lady called me up and said, what do you think about that? I said, well, he's not your pastor. I don't know if you ought to do what he said do. Now that might sound a little bit strange to you. But. You know, later on, I married her. <laughs> and I knew his counsel wasn't, uh, I just felt like, you know, hello. I don't know that you ought to be the one telling her everything to do. That's because I've been taught that if you don't, you know, cast your pearls before swine. What do you mean? I, if, if you don't have the spiritual authority, you know, you, it's not everybody's job to line everybody else up. The Holy Ghost may quicken you. You may realize a person needs, you know, well, boy, I can tell you what they need and I can tell you what they need, but if they're not answerable to you, you might ought to keep that to yourself and pray about it. Amen. You know? I'm just being honest here, you know, because the Bible works, the Lord worked under authority and everything works under authority. And sometimes not every voice that you hear that wants to give you a piece of advice or a piece of counsel, you might say, well, I want to make sure I know that voice and know who it is. That's why the Bible says, know who it is that labors among us. So anyway, hallelujah, that's, that's, True story, isn't it? <laughs> Circumstances also, they will, uh, I don't remember what it was he's trying to tell you. I, I can't remember, but I didn't feel like it was from God at that moment. <laughs> For those of you who are here, you can ask her later after church. I'll, she'll, she'll have to tell you, I can't remember. Uh, circumstances, doors opening and closing. And I remember 
<clears throat> signs. And you know, and as I mentioned this morning, Paul said, I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost and a great door and effectual is open to me. There are many adversaries. And I mentioned this morning, letting God open doors for you. And with all praying for an open door of utterance and uh, that I may make manifest. And I, I understand that sometimes, you know, you may believe that that's the job or this is the place or that's what I should do. Or I, I believe God wants me to A, B, C, whatever, and the Lord not open that door. You have to be willing to say, Lord, I am a hammer or a tool in your hands. Use me how you want. Because it's not up to me. It's up to the master builder, the master carpenter, the one that knows all the from the beginning and the end. And so that very sense of, Lord, I want to follow after your will. Also, and, I, and I'm, I'm going in a hurry here, knowing the wisdom of God or the, 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 the let's see, the personal uh, uh where are we? Personal, the personal God-given desires. Another way that the Lord can speak to us and let us know his will. As I meant, read this morning, I delight to do your will. He gives us the desires of our heart. The next verse that David wrote was, commit your ways unto the Lord, trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You cannot <coughs> expect God to be dealing with your specific parts of the will, of his will to your life, unless you're committed to him. <laughs> unless you've committed your ways to him. Unless you're committing your life to him. That's his first and most important will, is for you to live for him. For you to commit yourself to him. He is not going to be concerned. You say, oh, you know, and I know the Lord's helped a lot of us when we weren't doing right. I understand that. But the Lord is not going to be dealing with the minutia of my life until I've got at least myself lined up with his will. I'm at least trying to serve him. I'm at least trying to live for him. And that's when he then will come back and say, you know what, I will put the right desires there. Then wisdom, uh, the wisdom of God, I, I call it common sense, and, and yet it's probably not common anymore. There's a parable that Jesus taught in Luke the 14th chapter. He said, even a, a, an, a man, it doesn't even matter, not spiritual at all, before he builds a tower will count the cost. Because he's not going to start a tower and not be able to finish it. Amen. So he's not going to go, you know, and so you say, well, Lord, do you want me to buy that car? Now, I don't have any money right now. And I don't have any money in the bank. And I don't have a job. But Lord, if you want me to buy that car, let that salesman tell me that I'd look good driving that car. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, he's probably going to tell you that. But count the cost. <laughs> you know, is he going to make the payments or are you going to make the payments? <laughs> Use a little wisdom. And you say, well, pastor, I just believe that it's the will of God. Well, now, wait a minute. Ask wisdom. If you, if you lack wisdom, you can ask the Lord. He'll give it to you liberally. <sighs> and you say, well... What is the wisdom from God? Well, here's what it's, James said. It's peaceable. It's pure. It's gentle. It's easy to be entreated. It's full of mercy. It's full of good fruits. It's without partiality, without hypocrisy. 
In other words, you know, you say, was that a wise decision? <clears throat> and if it causes anger and fussing and fighting, it's probably not wise. <laughs> if, if, that, if doing that is going to cause all kinds of, <clears throat> you know, frustration and stress, and I can't be changed, but, you know, nobody's going to make up my, I, I found out what the Lord wants, and I know what the Lord wants, and I'm, I'm going to do what, wait a minute, you're not easily entreated? Huh? I'm not trying to, you see, that's why I said, when we follow the will, will of the Lord, we have to say, Lord, I want to line up every area of my life with your will. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to hear. I'm willing, I, you know, I may still believe this is what I need to do. And I'm sorry. I love you. But, but I am not going to be, you follow what I'm saying? That's what you do when you follow the will of God. Now, last but not least, and I know it's not always, in fact, very rarely probably does it happen, but there's some supernatural God guidance that takes place. We read about it in Acts 10 and Acts 16. Simon Peter was, you know, on the rooftop and he had a vision of unclean animals and he, you know, the Lord woke him up in a dream and said, go and kill and do all of this, eat them. And he said, no, they're unclean. And the Lord had to go through all of this in order for one reason. So he would go to Cornelius's house and preach the gospel. That was the only reason. The Lord gave him all that dream and all that stuff. You can read it. Acts the 16th chapter, Paul, similar circumstance. He was, uh, he was all of a sudden at night, he had a vis vision of a Macedonian man that was calling him and said, come preach the gospel in Macedonia. And so he went. Now, what you have to understand about both of those is that, you know, they weren't there saying, oh Lord, give me a vision, give me a dream. They had their lives lined up with God already. They were trying to follow the Lord. They were trying to follow the plan of the Lord. What do you say? Then the Lord gave them some supernatural uh, vision and it did not, wasn't contrary to the word of God. It didn't say preach another gospel. It didn't do any of that. It, yes, it changed Simon Peter's understanding of the whole gospel to the whole world and like he had preached on the the day of Pentecost that anybody unto whosoever will and he didn't even believe his own what his sermon was. Remember when he preached for the promises unto you and to your children and all those who are afar off he still had in his mind Jews only. And the Lord had to say I'm going to expand that vision to all the Gentiles as well. And it was the first time Simon really got it. But it was not changing the gospel. What he did when you read in Acts the 10th chapter and Acts 11th chapter and they report it. He goes to Cornelius and he's preaching the very same gospel that he had preached on the day of Pentecost. And all of a sudden he looks around and they start speaking in other tongues. And he gets excited and he says, guess what? Who can forbid water that these shouldn't be baptized like we were baptized because they just got the Holy Ghost just like we did. And he goes back and tells everybody, I want you to know God has opened the door to the Gentile. Cornelius was one of the, the first Gentile. I'm so thankful that the Lord used a supernatural vision to show Simon Peter that this gospel was for us as well as all the Jews. And yet, 
I know it's hard sometimes. It, it is hard to seemingly get it. It's hard sometimes to hear the Lord. And you're not alone, the disciples. And I, I put some slides here, and you probably already know the story. But if you remember when Jesus was in the Last Supper and he was getting ready to be crucified and he was, you know, he was telling his disciples and, and you can read it. It's kind of an amazing story. He, he calls all of his, got 12, they're in the upper room and they're having Passover and he says, one of you is going to betray me. And, and the disciples are, you know, they go, what are you talking about, Lord? Well, they look at one another and, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. One of us is going to betray you. And they look and they can't figure out. And, and John, who was leaning on Jesus, said, well, you know, who is this going to be? And Simon, you know, he, he said, well, tell us, who's, who are you talking about? And then... John even said, who is it? And so Jesus goes as far as to say, all right, let me just tell you. You see this? And then this piece of bread, I dip it in this sop, into the wine, and the, the person that I give it to is going to betray me. Now, if I were to tell that story today, most of us, and if I walked over and I gave it to Sister Denise, most of us would say, wow, she's the lady. Right? I mean, I just said, somebody's going to betray me. And they go, who is it? And I say, well, the person I give my glasses to, that's the one. And you read the Bible, it's, it's kind of an amazing story. I, I know I've, I've read this before, but, it, they, you know, they say, who is it? And he hands it to Judas. Okay? And he then looks at Judas and says, Judas, whatever you're doing, go do it quickly. And Judas gets up, walks out. And nobody got it. Nobody understood what had just happened. As a matter of fact, some of them thought that Jesus said, go buy a little bit more bread. It's as if everybody else was blind. They were sitting in the same room. They were, they were listening to the same word. But all of a sudden, they weren't on the wavelength that Jesus was with Judas. He was telling them, I'm telling you, go ahead and do what you're going to do and do it quickly. Some even said that maybe they sent Judas out to give something to the poor. Can you imagine that? And he went out and when he was left, Jesus said these words, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and straightway glorify him. What are you saying? Then is when Jesus turned to his disciples and said, Little children, yet a little while I am with you, and ye shall seek me, as I have said unto the Jews. Where I am going, you cannot come. 
So now I say to you, a new commandment that I give you one to another unto you, that you love one another even as I have loved you that you also love one another and by this shall all men know that you are my disciples why would it be that Jesus would send Judas out before he established a new principle with his disciples because he knew that it was not in Judas's heart to be able to receive this commandment to love one another he knew that Judas wouldn't be there to get the Holy Ghost. He knew that Judas wouldn't be there on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. And so he said, I'm sending him out now. Go do what you have. And the rest of them were oblivious to what was going on. But Jesus was saying, I'm going to send you something that's going to make you have a, a love one for another like you've never had before. That's what the power of the Holy Ghost is all about. It's supposed to, oh, bring love, peace, joy, righteousness, the gift of the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are supposed to bring something that will change my very life. That's the will of God. We'll be known as the disciples by the spirit and power of almighty God. What are you saying? I'm telling you that no matter where you are, if somebody may hear a sermon, not you, if God is able to speak to your heart and give you a word just for you, regardless of what anybody else hears. Now, it'll always line up with the word of God. I get it. As a matter of fact, Hebrews said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written to do your will, O God. Above when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offering, thou for sin thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then he said, Lo, I come to do your will, O God. And he taketh away the first that he may establish the second. What is that will? And he said, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. What are you saying? I'm saying it is God's will that you live sanctified. It's God's will that you're delivered. It's God's will that you're set free. It's God's will. You say, well, I don't know if, what, if God wants me to, I'll never. No, he said he came for one reason. So that by, he came to do the will of the Lord, to be the second Adam, to go to Calvary for one pre reason. So that he could break the dominion of sin over our lives. Oh, what a powerful. You say, well, I'm not sure if he, if he knows what all I've been through. I'm going to tell you, he gave himself, Paul wrote in Galatians, from our sins that we might deliver us from this present evil world according to the... I don't know if the Lord wants me. I can't find, I've wrestled with this problem. I've got this. I'm going to tell you, it's God's will that you're delivered. Yeah. That's the will of God. Now, he's going to want you to line up to him, but it's, it's not God's will that that should bother you all your life. It's God's will that you should be set free. That's what, that's what the Bible says. He gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. This is the will of God, even your sanctification. And he goes on, you abstain from fornication. Every one of you should possess his vessel in sanctification and in honor. 
What are you saying? And another, sorry, another verse at the end of that, it says, and everything give thanks, this is the will of God. I quoted that one earlier. Then you read 1 Peter. He said it like this, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul, having your conversation. I read this one Wednesday night. Abstain from all of this, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, whereas they may speak among others as, as evildoers, that by your good works they shall glorify God in their day of visitation. What was he saying? It's the will of God for you to live right all the time, 24-7. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. Submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. That's what Simon told him. And then he goes through, whether it's kings or governors or whatever, you're supposed to obey the law of the land. That's God's will. For so is the will of God. That with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now you say, well, what about if the government would say you can't? I, I get it. I've been preached in countries where the government would say, you know, you can't worship God. You can't assemble. And they assemble in houses. They sit on their hands so they don't worship. They try to do their best to obey. But you know what? God is still able. They're able to line themselves up with the, they, they flew in where we were preaching and they would worship for two or three hours at a time, wear you out before the church even started. Why? Because at last I get the freedom to worship God. Let me tell you, what do you say? I, it is God's will that we do what we can to live peaceably among everyone. John wrote it like this. This is the confidence that we have anything that we have in him. And this is the why it's so important to be in the will of God. That if we ask anything according to his, he hears us. And if he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. What are you saying? I'm saying we can ask for whatever we want. When I, that's why it's so important that, I, that all these young folks that we get in the will of God, I want to do the will of God. I want to live in the will of God. Why? Because we have folks that are coming in on a weekly basis on a, on, uh, that need all of a sudden a miracle. that you And you don't know who's going to be here that needs a, a divine touch, that needs the gift of the Holy Ghost. And somebody has got to be doing his will to say, Lord, we're going to walk into the Holy of Holies for this. We're going to believe that you are able to fill, touch, heal, strengthen, set free. Why? Because it's not the will of God that anybody should live bound by whatever it is. Drugs, depression, alcohol, dope, whatever. It's not God's will. Let me tell you what God's will is. Whom the Son has set free. Free indeed. God is able. God, you say, oh, but you don't know what I'm going through. Let me tell you, it's God's will that you live, that you're able to have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You say, but I'm battling all kinds of spirits and depression. Let me tell you what, hang on tight. God's will is that you be set free and that you glorify God and worship God every day of your life. That's what God's will is. 
say, well, I don't feel like it. I, I don't know. But, oh, I'm glad I've got a, a new nature. Amen. Let's stand. In fact, let's come. Let's just ask the Lord. Lord, keep me 